Welcome everybody and thanks for tuning in. You're on The Drive with your host Denise DiGregoli. It's always a fabulous Friday here on The Drive because we seek to move people forward. Our mission is to bring together change agents, thought leaders, unsung heroes that are doing great things with their life and through the insights of their stories, their aha moments, we move each other forward. It's great fuel, you know, it's about what drives you. And I'm a firm believer that how you feel your mind, your body, your spirit creates the life that you live. And as my grandmother used to always say, you cannot be a success until you make others a success. So join us on the drive and share. We always start the show with a mindful minute. And something near and dear to my heart is water and uh, the oceans. And this time of the year, it's spring cleaning, perfect time to move the energy out, discard, donate, repurpose, and upcycle. There is a statistic that says by the year 2050, we're going to have more pollution in our oceans than we do fish. Never is, it's more important now than ever to repurpose, upcycle, consider your consumption, and consider how you move the energy out. And you know, when you move that energy out, you make room for new things to come in. And what you share through donations and repurposing gets to live on in the lives of others. So, you know, this Friday, I have an outstanding guest. You might've seen him on my other talk show. We're talking to uh, somebody that I believe is doing so many great things for our world and our environment, Mr. Larry Bigaman, who is the president and CEO of the South Central Connecticut Regional Water Authority and the chairman of the board of Conscious Capitalism, our chapter here in Connecticut. Are you with us, Larry? Good morning, Denise. Great to be with you. Oh, so thankful to get some time with you today, Larry. You know, I know that you've brought Conscious Capitalism here to the state of Connecticut, and I know that it, it really works on these four pillars of higher purpose, energizing your stakeholders around a certain purpose while maintaining, you know, an ingredient of profitability in a company, stakeholder orientation where everybody thrives, conscious leadership, which I want to talk to you about today, and building a conscious culture. I think you've done that at the Regional Water Authority. Can you tell us some of the successes you've seen over the past few years? Uh, well, thanks, Denise. It, it's been, a, uh, it's been a, uh, a process, and, you know, I actually discovered conscious capitalism uh, a few years ago, and as I reflected on the four pillars of, uh, of, of the movement and thought about the organization um, that I'm involved with, the Regional Water Authority, it seems that we've been practicing conscious capitalism for quite a few years without ever really realizing it. So as we really identified the, the, four, the four pillars and how it is a, can we can apply those uh, in our daily operations, um, it really started making a difference for how we operated the, the utility. First of all, we defined our uh, higher purpose to, to be a water utility that uh, makes life better for people by bringing, um, delivering water for life. And then we looked at how we operate and there's been so many tremendous accomplishments over the past few years through everybody working together uh, toward that higher purpose. For instance, uh, a few years ago, we did our, uh, renewed our, our second strategic plan, and we had 52% of the organization participate in a bottoms-up strategic planning process using the uh, balanced scorecard. 
Now, you may say, well, gee, 52%, that means that half your organization didn't participate. Well, that's true, but they actually felt a sense of ownership because many of their colleagues had participated in the planning process. And when you compare that 50% engagement in the planning uh, process to what is the industry average of about 30% of the employee engagement, that uh, participation is something we're very proud of. So what I'm hearing is that you were inclusive. You got everybody's opinion, regardless of what level, or not everybody, but most everybody's opinion, regardless of level or status, you were very inclusive in getting, collecting knowledge and data to make the, your organization a better place. That's, that's correct. We had a series of facilitated workshops that uh, anyone in the organization could participate in, whether they were involved in the field operations, were in the collective bargaining unit, or whether they were uh, in supervision or management, they could participate in those planning processes. And we actually had uh, people from all different levels of the organization sit at tables together and, and, and participate in the whole planning process. So it was a great opportunity to collaborate and to have cross-departmental um, collaboration and idea generation. Was there anything you guys did special to make people come out of their shells and actually articulate without really covering up their feelings or their thoughts? Or was it pretty much already because the culture was so inclusive that they were ready to do that without a lot of coaching? Well, I, I think in the workshops themselves, we used a facilitator that had been um, working with our employees on leadership programs, on some training, so they were familiar with, uh, with that individual. Mm -hmm. And we had them sit in small groups in which they could brainstorm ideas and discuss among themselves what they thought might be appropriate ideas to offer. And then uh, the table elected a spokesperson, so usually that individual was someone that was comfortable offering the ideas, and they would, they would offer the the uh, aggregated results of that table. So if somebody wasn't comfortable speaking in a, in a group setting, um, they didn't have to, and someone that, um, that that's second nature to could stand up and deliver the results for the, um, for the whole table. So I think that way we made it very comfortable for people uh, so they could collaborate and offer their ideas, but they didn't have to go through the fear of speaking in public if that was not something that they were comfortable with. So now, when you are implementing these ideas for change and you're really coming at it from a, a full circle approach, are you met with challenges when people don't really understand the name conscious capitalism, even though you were doing it for a while? Does that sort of steer them away or does that make them feel like they want to move towards it? Because I do think many organizations have sort of a conscious capitalist bent, but they don't necessarily articulate it in that fashion. And I wonder sometimes if when you put a label on it, does it deter or does it move them forward? Well, I think, um, I think it, it's helpful to put a label on it because then the, uh, individuals can, that are interested in knowing more about it can actually do some research on it, uh, whether it's on the internet or, or uh, other places. Um, so I think it helps them uh, gather more information and intelligence, and then once they start seeing uh, the, the different uh, pillars of the conscious capitalism and start reading articles about it, they'll discover uh, other articles and other organizations that might be trying to do something something similar. So I think once people understand what the movement is all about, they be, get more comfortable with it and then can start gaining additional knowledge. Is it only a leader, quote unquote leader, that understands higher purpose? And in your, in your 
vision, what is higher purpose as related to conscious capitalism? Well, higher purpose uh, is, is really where an organization will identify what, how they will benefit and improve society in addition to making a profit. So that's the cornerstone of, um, of conscious capitalism is that businesses should be successful and strong and, and make money. But that's not the only reason why a business uh, is an operation. They should be able to contribute to and benefit and improve society. So that's their that broader purpose. And what is the, what is your broader purpose or your higher purpose with the Water Authority? I, I have a sense of it, but I'd like you to state it so that our podcast listeners can feel it too. Yes, our, we we've identified our higher purpose, um, which is to deliver water for. Excuse me, which is to make life better for people by delivering water for life, and. You know, that goes back to the founding of our predecessor company in the mid-1800s. Uh, the New Haven Water Company was founded by Eli Whitney II. And it was a period of time in New Haven in which there was a cholera ep- epidemic and there had been over a dozen fires that had leveled the city of, of New Haven. And Eli Whitney II uh, gathered together a group of investors and said we were going to f- form this water utility to make life better for people to stop the uh, cholera ep- epidemic and be able to fight fires. So we, uh, we have resurrected that, um, that original uh, higher purpose and, and added on our own twist to it, which is the delivering water for life. So it's actually something that's quite historical with this organization. It's kind of great. It's kind of got the historical twist with the contemporary movement, and it seems so powerful, water for life. So as a conscious leader, what does that mean? Like, I, I know you to be a conscious leader because of all the things you contribute to our community and our society. But for people that want to learn to be a conscious leader, how would you explain that? And what maybe would, what would be a few things you would tell them to look at in themselves and to maybe study or go after to become a true conscious leader? Well, first, I think conscious leaders, first of all, follow the higher purpose of their organization. So that would be something that uh, someone would want to work with their leadership uh, team on identifying the higher purpose of the organization and then ensure that when they make decisions that that is uh, taken into account when they um, when they are making their business decisions. But the other the other part is stakeholder orientation or having a balanced stakeholder interest. Here, um, you, leaders recognize the independent nature of all the different stakeholders of a business. It's the employees, the customers, the vendors, uh, stock owner, uh, stockholders, if that's the case, um, and the communities in which they operate. And leaders, when they're practicing conscious capitalism, do not make a decision that will impact one of those um or benefit one of those stakeholder groups at the expense of another. So a common example of that is for a company to squeeze vendors um, and employees to increase profits, for instance, and that obviously benefits the, the owners or the shareholders. So practicing conscious capitalism, you balance all the stakeholder interests not make a decision that benefits one group at the expense of another. So I know I'm going to ask this question. As president and CEO, and you are role modeling this leadership, is it is it hard to teach? And is it hard to get people to do it? I think in theory, 
It sounds fabulous, and I like to believe I do it too, but I often find when I'm teaching people within my organization, I spend an enormous amount of time um, explaining why I think this methodology is important and how, how it's not just smoke and mirrors, in other words. How do you teach it? Well, I think it, it's modeling the behavior. It's, it's actually when those moments of, moments of truth occur, when it's time to make a decision, that uh, the leader or the leadership team makes sure that they are following the principles so they keep the higher purpose in mind, they make sure that they don't make a decision that benefits one stakeholder group. Um, in terms of the uh, conscious leadership, they are practicing uh, servant leadership where they are actually helping their employees uh, develop themselves and, and uh, the leader is removing goal uh, obstacles that that uh, may prevent an employee from achieving their goals and the like. And then having a conscious culture, it's really making sure that everybody has buys into this whole philosophy of conscious capitalism. And that's something that takes work every single day, talking about it and what it is and why it's it's important for the particular organization to follow through on, on, on those principles. So you're almost revisiting your goals, your higher purpose, and and how you want the organization to move forward every day with your leadership team or thereabouts. Is it is it a comment? But a while ago, you told me about your STARS program and how it affected the employees and how they had really bit down on it, and it was becoming so... Uh, so much part of the fabric and the thread. Are, is that the same thing with your leadership and the way that you're moving with them? Is it just part of the common thread now that we just behave this way? That That is, it's becoming more and more part of the common thread. It's, um, it, 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 as I said before, it's a work in progress. Um, some employees are more familiar with it in the organization than uh, than others. But it's it's the way that we uh, try and operate on a day to day basis and assimilate it into the into the culture, and, like our, our values. And at, I know you've brought the uh, conscious capitalism chapter here to Connecticut about a year or so ago, and I think there are is there twenty or thirteen chapters nationwide. There are uh, more than twenty six nationwide, and I think there are fourteen or fifteen internationally. So there are more than forty different chapters. Um, around the world uh, of conscious capitalism. And I know there are worldwide meetings, and I know that there is an, a national site, but the site for Connecticut is connecticut.consciouscapitalism.org. And I'm assuming you're still very heavily involved because I know you have an event coming up in Hartford, um, the Purpose, Leadership, Culture, and Value, How Conscious Capitalism is Changing Business for the Better on May 23rd from 7.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. And everybody listening to the podcast will have links on my social media uh, for that so you can find it and join Larry. But Larry, how is it changing the world for the better? And is it going at the rate you want it to go? Well, um, no, it's something that I would like to see happen faster, but it takes time for a movement like this to uh, actually, I think, um, really pick up pick up steam. Conscious Capitalism was founded in the, in the mid, mid-2000s uh, by uh, Whole Foods CEO John Mackey and Raj Sisodia, a professor at Batson uh, College. And it's taken a while to, to get to the 40 chapters that uh, we have today, um, and I think there's still more room to grow. So it takes time to get people comfortable with the, uh, with the concepts and to understand what it is, that it's not just a fad, and that it truly is 
a philosophy on how to operate business that benefits uh, all the stakeholders. And the, the good thing about it is, is that it's not just talk, that the, um, the benefits of operating as a conscious company are indeed quantifiable. Uh, for instance, the, there's a book out by the, by the name of Firms of Endearment that was written a few years ago that was written by Raj Sisodia, and in it he uh, profiled um, a number of companies that are operating using uh, the principles of conscious capitalism and found that those companies outperformed their peers in the S&P 500 by 14 times and the good to great companies by six times over a 15-year period between 1998 and 2013. Well, I recently got a, 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 Conscious Capitalism has a magazine, and there's also a magazine called Mindful Living, and REI is a Conscious Capitalism-driven uh, company. And we re recently did some purchasing, I don't know, online, and they, they were so gracious in their marketing back to us, and thank you, and, you know, this is what your purchase contributed to sustainably in our world, and this is what you can expect, and this is what we're doing and I thought you know what what I loved about that was the marketing piece wasn't over marketing but it really showed me what they were doing with their time their efforts and their profits it really wasn't just about you know the fattest getting fatter at the top and beyond that you know now of course having worked a little bit in conscious capitalism here in Connecticut through you I understood it more so I laser focused in and with my marketing consulting I know that there is a growing audience and I'm not just going to uh pinpoint the millennials or the Gen Zers, everybody is becoming more and more aware of how important it is to lead consciously. Um, do, you know, my husband always say, do, you know, always do the right thing, especially when no one is watching. So sort of that kind of thing, always be kind to others. I mean, you're seeing this from young educational levels up through the businesses that we all run. In addition to that, there's such a movement to give back and be environmentally conscious, maybe whether it's the environment, uh, you know, your thing might be pets and animals, it might be the homeless, it might be the deprived, the poor. But I really, maybe not so much as fast as we'd like it to be happening here in Connecticut, I do think the world is, is shaping that faster and, and better. Because when I first started chatting about this conversation with you. I think we only had 20 chapters in our country and 13 in the world. That's kind of, so my numbers were a bit outdated. So I thank you for clarifying that. I hope that um, you'll share with us what you think the greatest thing a leader can do today if they want to be profitable and conscious in their efforts creating a better culture. You got a top tip for somebody that might be listening? Well, I think, I think uh, what a leader needs to do is, 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 is uh, really work to make sure that they are developing uh, those around them and empower them and help them become leaders uh, themselves. I think that's one of the greatest things that, that a leader can do is to develop those around, around them so that they can take on greater responsibility and move ahead in the organization and make sure that obstacles are removed so that they don't get in the way of accomplishing their goals and, uh, and their developmental process. It's also, I think, very important for a leader to be very self-aware about uh, the impact that they have on others. Um, some call that emotional intelligence, uh, to understand 
how their moods uh, may affect may affect others and the like. So I think if you're able to practice servant servant leadership, where you are working to benefit others uh, and naturally have that philosophy, uh, practicing conscious capitalism certainly comes a lot easier. But you know, there's a lot of problems in the world today. There's there's no doubt about that between po- uh, pollution and malnutrition and and uh, job insecurity and the like and People are really looking for uh, companies to solve the problem because many of them don't believe government can do that. Mm-hmm. And so businesses are being called on to help solve those problems. And what heartens me is that conscious capitalism is truly a philosophy on operating a company that looks on how you can improve society. It's not a, a corporate social responsibility program. It's much, much broader than that because it it pertains to all of the stakeholders, not just the communities in which the company operates. It's all of the all of the different stakeholders. You know what, Larry? I, I resonate so big time with your comment of emotional intelligence. Our moods as leaders do impact others because they look to us to role model. And so when we're having, I always say, you know, it's how you feel your mind, your body, your spirit that creates the life. And, and people feel that, they, especially if you're a leader. So thank you for pointing that out. And I'm so appreciative that we got to spend this time with you today. I'm hoping that you'll rejoin with us and you'll uh, tell us how the meeting went in not only May, but future meetings that you have. And is there a website we can share with the uh, audience other than uh, ConnecticutConsciousCapitalism.org or can we point them to your social media? Uh, They can point to to the uh, RWA uh, website, um, which is uh, RegionalWaterAuthority.com. Uh, or they can go to Leadership Greater Hartford, uh, which is uh, the organization that is having the breakfast on May 23rd to, uh, to, to learn more about that particular event, which is going to be a terrific, a terrific panel discussion. Uh, joining me on the panel will be is Valerie Gelb, who is the Chief Executive Officer of, at Gelb Global Business Advisors, and Colleen McGuire, who's the co-founder and CEO of, of Silver, Firm, Silver Fern Healthcare. Um, and she is the co-chair of the Conscious Capitalism Board. So I think we'll have a very lively discussion on May 23rd. Larry, it's always a pleasure to have you on the drive. I'm so thankful that you've spent this time with us this afternoon. And this show was brought to you by R.D. Weiss Companies, a Northeast full-service commercial flooring company who believes in sustainability. Corporate, healthcare, retail, government, and education. Visit R.D. Weiss and see how his sustainable and environmentally smart options also help you move forward. It's a fabulous Friday, everybody. Enjoy the week. Enjoy the weekend, I should say. And if you like it, share it. Fuel others and move them forward. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's Denise DiGregoli here on The Drive. Find us on iTunes or DeniseDiGregoli.com. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Thanks, Larry.